Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crider here with the Larry Crider Leadership Podcast, and with me today in the studio is my good friend for many years, Kevin Eshwin, Senior Pastor at Ephraim Community Church, and you served in the local school board, and you served in the leadership team of Harvard and International, on and on and on. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Larry, for uh, inviting me to be a part of this. I'm excited about it. I feel good. honored, well, honored to, to be brought you. on and to be here, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, people look at you, and obviously your preaching abilities, your leadership abilities, and think, wow, could I be like Kevin Usherman? I mean, really, you've got such a grace on your life as a leader. And we try to do in this podcast is get the stories behind the stories. You know, what was it like when you weren't in leadership, just aspiring to leadership <laughs> or learning things the hard way, all those things. So, right. okay, you're a senior pastor at Everett Community Church. Right, yes. And you serve with Barry Whistler on the leadership team of HarvestNet International? Right, yes, that's correct. I would be uh, actually considered vice president of okay. uh, HarvestNet International. Okay. And don't you serve on a local school board for many yes. years? Yes, so for Cacalico School District Board of Directors, um, I'm approaching 20 years on 20 that 20 years, Yes, really? so, right. It's hard to believe. Time really wow. does fly. And uh, so for the past, uh, I think it's uh, two and a half years or so, I've been president of the board. I would have served there as vice president for about 12 years, and then uh, the past two and a half years as president of Cacalico School District Board of Directors. Wow, that's amazing. That's just three that I'm aware of. Are there other areas of leadership you're involved in? I'm probably not going to work. Well, I think that's pretty much enough. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that. <laughs> okay. I serve with TNT Youth Ministry as well. Sure. And have served on that team, that leadership team, for um, probably since almost like its inception. Sure. And uh, yeah, just enjoy um, doing whatever I can do to influence things and help things move in the right direction. Serve, you know, biblically, of course. Uh, the heart of leadership is service. Exactly. And so it's not about like having your way. It's about right. how do I actually help move things along. That's exactly right. I've seen you do that again and again. I think I first met you because of our involvement together with what we call the regional church. I remember. having a heart for yeah. you know, the whole body of Christ and how do we work together and how we bring the walls down. And exactly. I think in those days you were involved in Youth for Christ, if I remember. I was. I was a, a public school campus minister for Lancaster Youth for Christ. Wow. Yeah. Well, amazing. Well, let's go way back. Let's go back to the early days. Talk about how you grew up and did you, mm-hmm. in those days, expect to be in leadership in the future? And what did that look like? How did you come to Christ? Tell us your story. Yeah, well, I grew up, look, I'm, I've lived in Lancaster County all my life. Okay. I've actually never resided even outside for any kind of schooling or anything. Okay. I've always lived here uh, outside Mountjoy, between Mountjoy and Elizabethtown. Okay. And um, uh, so I'm about as local as you could possibly yeah, imagine. Really? And never really even aspired to leadership. Um, so like going through school and high school and so forth, like I was never captain of sports teams okay. and things like that. Never in a place of influence in school specifically. Interesting. Now outside of school, I would have had two leadership opportunities, which would have fed into some of the things and that I'm doing that? today. One is actually with 4-H. So I grew up on a dairy really? farm. And uh, would have been a, my family would have been a part of uh, local dairy 4-H sure. clubs. And I would have served as president at one point through that, and at also our local youth group. Okay, so, and so you, you grew up in a local church in Lancaster yep, County. Yep, okay. West Green Tree Church of the Brethren is my home. 
uh, church. Church of the Brethren. Church of the Brethren. That's West really Green interesting because yep. I also grew up in the Church of the Brethren. That's yeah, I thought that was the case. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you're involved in leadership there? I was, yeah, actually. So in the youth ministry there, and right. then uh, even as a young adult to some degree, had some leadership opportunities. And um, in both of those cases, when it came to both 4-H as well as the local youth group, to give young people an opportunity to step into a place of leadership and just kind of try it out. Right. That's very, very significant. So even when it comes to things like, um, you know, 4-H club, for example, would have operated out of a sense of, uh, there would have been a portion of it that would have been parliamentary procedure and learning that. And honestly, even when I'm running a school board meeting now, my brain will sometimes go back right? to like, okay, now how exactly is this done? That's amazing. Because uh, parliamentary procedure would have been a part of how sure. that would have operated then. Yeah. So talk about your spiritual life. Talk about how you came to Christ and, and what did that look like? And that all happened through the Church of the Brethren or how did, yeah. that all, how did all that work? Yeah, well, at West Green Tree, my parents were deacons okay. there. And so I saw them operate in a place of leadership. Um, loved church, loved um, even some of the things I was seeing happening uh, as a young person. Gave my life to the Lord very, very young, like at age six or so. Wow. Um, now, in that church setting, you don't really become part of the church until right. you're like 11, 12, and okay. you get into baptism and membership's sure. all t- tied together. And uh, But I would have had a time of, I don't know if you would call it a crisis of faith, okay. uh, or I would have had a few things that happened in my life that were less than ideal, and that mm-hmm. had to do with you know a friend dying in a car accident, my mother's mm-hmm. illness and eventual death. Oh. Uh, that would have been, I would have been my late teen years at that point. And so it really caused me to look uh, for answers, and I felt like I couldn't find them. I mean, it doesn't mean they didn't exist. I just didn't right. know where to look for them. I'm a little bit of an introvert by nature, kind of shy, and so I wasn't Which is really... so interesting. Here you are in yeah, right. leadership in a mega church, <laughs> But, you know, I see that again and again. Yeah. You know, because I'm an introvert also. I uh-huh. get that. And, but that's so interesting. But keep on with your story. Well, and part of that is then I think I didn't know how, like now I am looking back, of course, then I didn't realize that I was kind of an internal processor right. and I needed a place to, to process things externally and yeah. I didn't know actually how to do that. Um, and so I internalized. And so basically, you know, I was told, hey, you just need to trust God. I don't know why these things happen. And honestly, my conclusion was, I'm not sure I can. Mm-hmm. And so I actually backed away from my walk with the Lord mm-hmm. because of not sure if I could actually trust God with my life. Sure. And I probably would have lived, so I didn't, I never pursued an immoral lifestyle or anything like right. that, but it was, I just really backed away from the Lord uh, until I met my wife, my wife, Stephanie, hmm. and uh, she would have gone through some pretty difficult times as well and would have had the opportunity of having the same kind of reaction that I would have had yeah. and just didn't and just kind of remain firm to follow the wow. Lord. And as I saw that, it convicted me that uh, I needed to pursue the Lord no matter what. So I was about 22 or 23 years old that I felt uh, the Lord, I mean, you could call it conviction, pressure, that's probably how I would have defined it at that right, point of, right. come on, man, you know what's true. Yeah. And you can avoid it all you want, but you still know what's true. Yeah. And so I remember praying a prayer in which it probably wasn't prayed in the best attitude towards the Lord. <laughs> it was, okay, God, I will follow you, but I, this has to consume my life or I'm not going to do it at all. Wow. Like, I, it's got to be 100% of my life or I'm not going to bother. Your early 20s? About 23. Okay. Yeah. And, 
What I didn't know was that's what God wanted anyhow. Exactly. <laughs> he wasn't looking for this halfway part, but my attitude probably wasn't the best in that moment, but God says, I'll take it. <laughs> and wow. we'll do with that as you see fit. And another key moment that I'll really um, just kind of emphasize, from that point, as I pursued the Lord, God you know, really bring, brought me to a place of um, understanding and even, even releasing some things I didn't understand. But I remember a very key time. It was in uh, March, I forget even exactly what year it was, but about 1988 and 89. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was farming at that point. Um, it was a beautiful day. I was getting ready for spring plowing and so forth and was working on some equipment and Charles Stanley yeah. was on the radio. And he preached a message about surrendering your life to the Lord completely. Just saying, I got to do whatever you want me to do. And I remember listening to it while I was working yeah. and just kind of coming to the point like, yeah, I'll do that. And just, it wasn't like I didn't hear angels sing or anything like that. It was just, yeah, I'll commit my life to the Lord and do anything he wants me to do. And little did I know what he had in mind wow. when that, but he would oftentimes bring me back to that place of, of surrender. And I, I feel like that's a key part it is. of um, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Yes. This is a real process God took you through then. Absolutely. You really years young. long. Years yeah. long. Yeah. And another thing we have in common, I just realized now, is your wife really was instrumental <laughs> making sure you're serving Jesus wholeheartedly. Yeah. And my wife did the same in my life. So it's amazing. What would we do without them? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So how did the whole Youth for Christ thing happen? Yeah, well, Larry, you don't. You probably don't remember that you were a key part of that. I don't remember. So this might be a little bit alarming to you. So, <laughs> so I was. Uh, so my wife Stephanie and I, when we got married, we felt we got to find our church for ourselves. It was in the Brethren in Christ Church, is yeah. where I served. That's where I ended up being called to ministry. Was farming and pastoring for a number of years. Felt like we needed to leave farming for full time ministry, and God through some sovereign arrangements connected me with Youth for Christ. And I realized that there seemed to be a grace on my life for youth ministry. Beautiful. Um, however, I, there were some, some practical theological understandings of what is traditional Youth for Christ and where I was at that point in my life yes. that I wasn't quite sure of how to manage that. And so mm -hmm. this, it was laid in front of me as being like, this is a clear direction of where God has for me. But I, I was struggling with how that works out practically. And one morning, Stephanie and I um, were praying together, and I got this picture of a regular doorway, and above it where it oftentimes would say exit, it said YFC, is wow. what it said. And I remember just kind of almost in a passing conversation, I don't know what meeting we were in, I shared that with you, Larry. Really? And you felt like it, and just in your general way of doing that, you shared like, I feel like that's God's asking you to walk through that doorway. Wow, so, <laughs> I don't remember that. That's no, amazing. I didn't think that you would. Um, but it actually made my connection with um, uh, public school ministry yes. and my role with Youth for Christ was to establish Christian ministry in every public school and public middle school and high school in Lancaster County. Wow. That was the task. And, um, and God gave grace to do that and accomplish that. That's um, amazing. But it was with some fear and trepidation in multiple ways of like raising funds to do that. Sure. And, um, Stepping into a very broad ministry was very challenging. Sure. Give us some leadership truths, principles you learned during that time as you look back now. What are some things that you realize, I do this today because of what I learned back there? Yeah, there's a couple of things. One would be, obviously, to walk in that place of humility. Good. You know, sometimes as leaders, you think about, like, I need to get it all together. Like, yeah. I, I need to know 
what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And there's a sense of you're always called beyond your capacity. That's good. And it's actually a good thing. Yes. Um, because it's in that place where you're, you're in a tr place of trust before the Lord or a place of humility before the Lord. And you are living in that place of reliance and it's constantly uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so if we're looking for that place of comfort, I, June marks 30 years uh, where I was initially called to ministry. Wow. I've not found that place of comfort yet. Have you? Wow. <laughs> That's a lifelong walk, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I, even my role now at Effort of Community Church, I will tell our team, this is the biggest thing I've ever led. Yeah. And next week, it's going to be the biggest thing I've ever led. Like right. as it grows, it's right. constantly being pushed beyond. Right. And that's challenging. It is. But it's also a good place to be because we walk in a place of humility as a result of that. So you're walking in humility, that's key, obviously. What else did you learn back then or are you learning now as you continue to get stretched and pushed? Yeah. You know, you're right, we never arrive. Right. Arriving is called heaven. You know? <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so what, what other things did you learn? Well, and for me as well, uh, during that time, so I moved from a very specific church ministry to a broad Lancaster County Youth for Christ yes. ministry. So now, then, were you farming when you were doing this? No, actually, I left farming at that point. And, you, and this is a this walk full time, faith, yep. full time yep. ministry, and it's thirty years now since you started doing yep. this. Yep, absolutely. Wow. And so then it is: what are the essentials? Mm -hmm. So as we think about the body of Christ in Lancaster County, um, Effort of Community Church has a very unique expression. Right. We have some doctrinal distinctives and so forth. Yes. But then, what are those root things that we can agree upon? By, through which we partner together to advance the kingdom. And right. just, so it was a matter of really thinking through um, mm -hmm. what are those essentials, but biblical essential, right. essentials. Right. But then what are those distinctives for me, personal convictions yep. Yep. that I can sometimes put on a shelf or say, okay, it's not the most important thing that I lead with, but the advancement of his kingdom, the, the salvation of lost people uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like what are those essentials that we can partner together around? to see so uh, the kingdom advance. So good, too good. And if, obviously part of that is your heart for the whole body of Christ, your heart for the kingdom, I and mean, that's who you are, that's who ECC is, who Harvest That is, who we really are together. And yep, exactly. we've been blessed in this county yeah. to walk together, so many of us for so many years. And that's why it's, I'm so honored to have you here to, with, with me today. So talk about some mistakes you made as a leader. Have you made any? Never. <laughs> oh my goodness, the list, uh, the list is long. The list as, is long. As you look back, what are some things you wish you would have done differently? Um, oh my goodness. You know, or, or mistakes. You yeah. Know, however you see that. Yeah, one of, the, one of the key things for me is understanding self. Like there's, okay. a, there's a place of confidence that leaders need to operate in that recognizes that, hey, you are not the complete package. Right. And you really don't need to be the complete package. Right. Boy, that's so good. So to have a place of confidence just in my my walk with the Lord and then being able to, in knowing him, then know myself. Yes. And know what I bring. So there's probably some things that I uh, would have stepped into other people's expectations of who I am, mm -hmm. even out of place of insecurity. Mm-hmm. That... Um, that there's confidence comes when you know right, this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I bring to the table. Right. I don't need to be everything to all people, 
but I can be confident in who I am and honor others and what they bring to the table awesome. as well. Awesome. So that teamwork part is it's just a critical, critical thing. It? Yeah, it really, really is. So continue your journey. So you're doing Youth for Christ and eventually got involved in, I think, Brethren in Christ Church ministry, if I can yeah, remember. Yeah, the Brethren in Christ Church would have been before that, actually. That's before that. That was okay. the, my initial call to ministry. So you did that as you were involved in the farm and yep. all that together. Okay. Yep. So Youth for Christ came after that. And then eventually you got involved in after the community church. Was that right. the next step? Right, yeah. So while I was ministering uh, with Youth for Christ. Of course, I wasn't a local church pastor, but uh, we connected at that point in the late 1990s with um, with effort a community church. That's right. where we decided to plug in, okay. become a member of the church there, and it would have been actually ordained as an elder at Effort a Community Church okay. in 1999. Okay, and then talk about the journey as to how you became senior pastor there. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit of a long. Again, I was just there. I'm here to serve. Um, I think if I look at my old. Uh, membership application. Mm -hmm. I volunteered to be a small group leader and an usher. That wow. was my. That's, that's what, so it's back in that whole servant <laughs> leadership thing you talked yep. about. Yep. You know, we need to walk in humility and be willing to serve. It's such a key for leadership. Yep. So, how, what, what transpired? How did that work? Well, I was ordained there as an elder in '99, and then, of course, that was in a different place of leadership mm -hmm. opportunities. We did know that my role at, at uh, Youth for Christ would eventually come to a close because. Uh, Youth for Christ carried a value for the local church to be involved in public school. Okay. And so I was a bit of a bridge builder, like helping the local church to be involved in public school. Mm -hmm. And so we knew that as that task was completed, that my task there, my job would actually come to a close. Okay. So um, the elders made an offer, like, as that comes to a close, would you actually step into different, different leadership roles okay. here at ECC? And would you be on staff, paid on staff to do yeah, that? Yeah, so that would have begun in 2003. Okay. So I began as a one-day-a-week okay. uh, job that became two days a week. I tell people that they weren't sure about me, so they just wanted to, <laughs> like, we'll see if we can terminate this beforehand. And then I would have come on full-time uh, in 2005 as an executive pastor. Okay. And uh, it would have been within two or three years that Barry and myself would have actually begun talking about a transition mm -hmm. where um, even in 2005, he would have been done doing more with HarvestNet right. and I was the local church guy. And, and HarvestNet, for those, I mean, there's like 90 people from 90-something mm -hmm. nations who listen to this podcast. Oh, HarvestNet okay. is, a, is a movement of churches based here in Lancaster County, yep. churches in the nations of the world. It's a movement, one of the fresh new moves of God, things God's doing. And so here in Lancaster County, for example, we have we have the Harrisonette family of churches, we have the Hopewell family of churches, yep. we have the Worship Center Ministry, we have the Devon National family of churches. Exactly. And we're all blessed to work together. That's amazing. We're, we've been friends forever, and we will That's continue right. to be, and see the kingdom built around the world. Yeah. And when you think about that, it's stunning to think about uh, what God has done. Yeah, it is. And uh, the yeah. opportunity he's given us. So to, what changed, I mean, of course, a lot changed, but tell us what changed when you went from being in you know, eldership role and then one day a week, two days a week, three days a week, and eventually yeah. the transition, the succession, yeah. the, the senior pastor talked about that. Yeah, well, we, we, had a, we had a goal, and our prayer was we want a seamless transition. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't want speed bumps. We didn't want, yeah. you know, like a major. Yeah. And so because of that, we actually put together like a five-year plan of, I would actually increase in the amount of times I was preaching in the weekend services. I ended up doing more weddings and mm -hmm. that kind of pastoral care of the local congregation along that process. And Barry just regularly kind of stepped back a little bit more and more. That by the time I came to a congregational vote and our 
bylaws and our, our uh, expression, it would require a congregational vote to actually say, yep, yeah, we want Kevin as the next lead pastor. Yeah. And so we led into that to that time when it came that that was you know, kind of a non-event. We had strong affirmation from the congregation. And then eventually it was a matter of just simply putting a date in the calendar and saying, okay, this is the date when the transition occurs, which was in November of 2014. Mm -hmm. And it was part of our international, HarvestNet International Summit. So the larger part of the body could be a part of that. And uh, man, God is just was gracious and kind. It was awesome. I was there when it happened. It was awesome. Yeah. And I sometimes think that, like, what was the big change after? Because so much was transitioning before. Yeah. I kind of jokingly say the big transition was changing my email signature <laughs> <laughs> at the end. But there actually was more transition that came as a result of that. Um, I'm nothing, you know, bad. It just was act sure. actually part of like the reorganization and restructuring for co effort of community church to right. continue to move and forward. And you would have felt the weight in the spirit of yes. having the lead role in the way right. you did in the past. There is a difference. Absolutely. I'm sure you felt that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But God, man, incredibly gracious through yeah. all that. So, but so I think good. one of the key things in that was uh, Barry and myself and the elder team, hey, we care about the church. Yeah. We care about the advancement of the gospel. Yeah. And so regardless of whose name is in what position, like one of the things we talk about at ECC is it's about function, right? not necessarily about roles. Right. So you may have the title of lead pastor or an associate pastor or an executive pastor, but basically we're just doing our roles. We're functioning mm -hmm. in our roles for the advancement of the kingdom. That's so good. You guys have modeled that. And, uh, and many, many people, many churches have looked at what you've done. I'm so blessed by just that the grace of God is on that whole process. Mm -hmm. And you, you work with Barry, Barry works with you, you work with the, all the others. And we all work together at the right. same time, which yep. is just awesome. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Now, talk to us a little bit more about your role in leadership in the school district, in the mm -hmm. school board, and how that happened. Give us some process, some steps there. I think there's a lot we can learn about that. By the way, if you want to know more about you, we're going to put your information on our show notes. So anybody, okay. you know, you want to know more about Barry, I mean, if you have any articles you've written, anything like that, books or whatever we'll put all that on the on the show notes uh so people can get to know who you are more and know more about it for the community church harvest sure. international everything that you you walk in so let's go back to uh the calicari school yeah well um after my you know a six or seven year stint with youth for christ in which we were doing campus ministry i just really developed a heart for the public school system and even traditionally as you know, in the United States, it has been the church that has taken responsibility for public education. Um, a pastor can become isolated from the world pretty quickly. Yeah. And so we can end up living in a bit of a bubble. That's right. And I wanted to do some things intentionally where I would step into some public areas. And um, our kids were at Reamstown Elementary School at that point, And my wife was involved in the PTA. Mm -hmm. She comes home from a PTA meeting and said, hey, someone's stepping off the school board and looking for someone to run. And I think that you should actually run for school board. So, Which, so it's really easy for you. Your wife speaks for you. The Lord speaks through her. <laughs> yeah, God sounds a lot like Stephanie. I think. <laughs> and I say often, I've said a hundred times, God sounds a lot like my wife Laverne. So I get that. <laughs> right. And uh, which was, it was unusual because Stephanie would sometimes coach me and, hey, you're doing too much. You're overcommitting. Sure. So when she came and said, hey, this, I think this is a fit for you. It had to be God. I right. thought something was up here. That is and good. so I stepped into it, um, and uh, it's a bit overwhelming, you know. So, sure. for example, this is all public knowledge, you know. So, Cagalico School District, we have about three thousand students. We have five buildings. Our buses drive three thousand miles 
every day. Wow. Collecting students. Um, we have a $60 million budget that we manage, um, hundreds of employees between professional and yes. uh, support staff. Mm. It's, a, it's quite a task. And so then, of course, you're managing within state and federal regulations. So um, it's a little bit of like stepping into a deer in the headlights of, oh, my goodness, what did I get myself into? Yeah. <laughs> and I remember having those moments of, God, why am I here? And uh, him being clear about the, um, the role of prayer in the public school. I do believe that uh, Romans 13 is still in the right. Bible. Yep. So even governmental authorities is a delegated responsibility. And so I feel like I'm a gatekeeper uh, there. And so my role as president currently yes. of Cacalico School District Board of Directors, to some degree, the buck stops with me. And I'm not running the school district, but uh, the governmental authority rests there. And so it's a place for me to speak blessing and pray protection and and do what I can do in wisdom and influencing the public school system in that way and navigating various seasons, even like the last season that we've been through, yeah. uh, doing our best to stay the course and do what's best for our students. So you're helping people when we go through the <clears throat> pandemic. You're helping people in your local church, yeah. in this mega church that you pastor, you're helping people in the school district <laughs> all at the same time. That sounds like it could be a bit stressful. A little bit. Yeah. I It's kind of funny when I've... Uh, you know, meet people and um, what's your experience in the pandemic been like? And I said, well, I've been president of a local public school system and I pastor a church. And people almost like take two steps back right. from me. Like, right. I'm expecting you to implode any moment here. <laughs> uh, but I really feel like in, in this season, I know it's been challenging, obviously, for uh, anybody in any situation. But speaking of the public school system, I felt like as I reflect on that, I think what the school system needed was a pastor. Yeah. Just say, hey, we're going to stay the course. We're going to do the That's best right. that we can. That's right. We're going to navigate this locally and both the public as well as our administrative team and teachers just kind of needed that sure. you know, steady pace to walk through that. So today you're, le you're leading these different realms of leadership. Young leaders listening right now saying, Kevin Eshelman, help me. What are things I should know to prepare for the future? Are, are there things you would say to a younger leader and say, tell me the two, three, four, five things that I should be aware of? Yeah. T talk about that. Yeah, a couple of things. Well, first of all, I've already mentioned just keep your relationship with the Lord yes. as your priority. Yes. That is what got you in the place of leadership. Correct. But it's oftentimes the first thing that gets neglected mm -hmm. in a place of leadership. Right. So you got to know God. Second one is to know self. Yeah. Like be comfortable with who you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that God's not continuing to do the work and you're growing and Christ-likeness is still being formed in you, but also then be aware of there's a place of confidence you aren't the complete package and you can bring yourself uh, fully to the table. Comparison today is yeah. could be the Achilles heel of leaders. That's, that's so true. So when it comes to just be alert to how social media affects you. Mm -hmm. Be alert to how news affects you, what people say about you affect, affects you. Just be aware that we're more connected, which is good, but can also bring uh, some detrimental things to that you as well. That's very good. That's very true. Um, <clears throat> learn, like learn from anybody, good. any place, anytime, anywhere. Uh, You're a lifelong learner. Like, oh my goodness, we must be. Yeah, I agree totally. We must be. I, I would... Um, uh, when it comes to mentoring, 
we have very specific mentors, like people that we would pursue directly. And when I was first called to ministry, it was a guy by the name of George Kimber, who was a Messiah College a professor who at that point was pastoring in the Brethren in Christ Church. And so I had a few people like that as well. But man, I learned from anybody, any place, anytime. Yeah. So you can, um, like even with you, Larry, like you probably have no idea how much you've mentored me, even though you've never been an official right. mentor. Right. But uh, watching you and how you operate in certain times, watching you as you're teaching, reading your books. Mm. Um, uh, I would name other people, even within the public school system, I would watch key leaders mm. and, and specifically how they lead. And I'll mention something that's, talking about mentoring from a distance. Sure. Two things um, that I've learned from George W. Bush. I'd love to hear it. Wasn't that strange? Which is kind of strange. I would never say, okay, George Bush was a mentor of mine. Right. But I've actually had two encounters with him. Hmm. So um, when he was president, I was invited to a pastor's briefing. And he was not a part of that pastor's briefing. But he, um, one of his aides was there. And, he, and his aide just talked about, like, this is how George Bush manages himself. Sure. And one of the things he said was he never reads a newspaper. Really? That he actually had aides that would read a newspaper and then tell him what he needed to know. Interesting. And it was one of those things like what's what is an appropriate measure of disconnect that we as leaders need so that we can stay the course and do what's right. Yeah. And not be swayed by all kinds of public opinion. That's Kind of goes back to my comment about social media. Right. Like, just be alert to how it so affects true. you. And then I had another uh, encounter with George Bush, <clears throat> which he was actually in Hempfield. He came to do a speech here. Uh, I was part of the Lancaster County Chamber of Commerce, mm-hmm. and they welcomed him. And I was in a group of about 300 people in which he spoke. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed about him as I just kind of watched him in that setting was he would, um, he's surrounded by Secret Service people, sure. and people are kind of clamoring. But when he's having a conversation, he is so fo- he was so focused on wow. the person he was speaking to. That is so good. Um, and my understanding was was Bill Clinton was very good at that as well. He very was. good at the personal mm-hmm. part yes. of that. And I just never forgot that. And so even you know in our weekend gatherings, while there's you know a thousand people around at any right. one given time, that when I'm having a conversation, I want to be focused on the person so that I'm good. speaking to. But part of that is. We can receive mentoring from people that directly are connected with, and we can sit and I can say, hey, Larry, um, here's a situation that I'm facing. But then, man, we can receive so much from so many people. If we're alert to observe, people that I've never met have taught me things about how to handle myself, about how how I manage myself and manage leadership situations. So good. <laughs> so, so good, Kevin. So don't, no restrictions. Just learn yeah, from anybody. Exactly. Well, look, you have so much inside you. I really want to have you back. Uh, in fact, here's what we're going to do. Uh, the one thing I really want to hear from you, we didn't even touch on, and that is I am so intrigued at how you speak publicly, how you minister, uh, how you preach without notes. I don't know other people who do that. I'm sure there are other people, but I don't know if people do that. I want to know how you do that. I want to be like you when I grow up. I want to know how you do that. And so I'm going to share with you the secret. Okay, well, I'd love to. We're going to have you back next week, and we're going to ask you uh, that specific question. I'm going to have you tell us why you do that, Mm -hmm. how you do that. That's going to really, really help a lot of people. 
So thank you so much for having thank you so much, me Larry. on the podcast today. And everyone who's listening, again, check out the show notes. Kevin Usherman, Africa Community Church, Harvest International. All, anything else about Kevin that you would like to know, be, you can find there. And tune in next week for our season one finale. We just is for our first season. How about that? So, yeah, so it's going to be the finale. You are going to be the guy for our finale next week. <clears throat> and more leadership insights from Kevin Eshelman. So and a little bit of you. a pun. It'll be unforgettable. It'll be unforgettable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. God bless you, everyone. Thank you for joining the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. We learn these small things we can change and make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those that we serve in leadership. God bless you. Have an amazing week in the Lord. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.